Good evening. Welcome to Politicket Podcast. Uh, tonight we have Ken Paxton with us, uh, Attorney General of the State of Texas. Uh, let's let's talk about you for a minute. I, I I know you know. There's many people in Utah know your work on election stuff and and the things that are going on in Texas. But you know the border stuff. But we we need to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. So I grew up really all over the country. My dad was an Air Force B-52 pilot. So I lived. My parents were from upstate New York, but I ended up living in New York, Florida, uh, North Carolina, uh, Oklahoma, and mostly California. And then I went to Undergrad at Baylor, got married. Baylor Bears. I met my wife at Baylor. I moved to Houston for a couple of years. I worked for Arthur Anderson Consulting after I got my MBA at Baylor. Oh, cool. And then she was getting her master's. She was a mathematical science major. She was getting her master's at the University of Houston in education so she could go back and teach. And then I went to Virginia for law school, University of Virginia. I love that place. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, it's, just, it's great history. He's the man. And then we came back to uh, Dallas. I started practicing law. So, and then we... Now I have four kids, and they're all over the country, too. Okay. So so what was the path to the attorney general's office? You know, it was a weird path. I never had any, like, thought of running for attorney general. I was helping people get elected in Texas after I'd come back from law school. We had four young kids, so it wasn't like I was thinking about running for office. And then suddenly uh, a new district for house seat was being created and where I was. And it's kind of a long story, but I ended up running for that. And I was in the Texas House for 10 years. It's the first Republican majority in the Texas House since Reconstruction. Wow. By my first year. You know, I, I, I think most people consider Texas a red state. <laughs> it was a Democratic it, state it, when I got yeah, there. It, it's interesting, isn't it, how yeah. that evolved. It all changed. Reagan started changing it. Right. Because uh, it was Democrat for 150 years. So um, so I was in the House for 10 years. I, I was two, two years in the Senate and then ran for AG in 2014 and was sworn in 2015. So I'm in my third term in my 10th year of uh, being Texas Attorney General. That's cool. So yeah. my, my connection to Texas, I, 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 got, I went to graduate school at Texas A&M in economics, and that was just after Phil Graham uh, yep. got elected. Yeah, I he, was there. He was on the faculty yeah, he's, right a, before he's I got an amazing there. guy. I had two daughters that, that went to Texas A&M, and I have two, two kids that went to Baylor. So. Oh, that's cool. So, so t tell us a little bit about this, this path now to the Attorney General's office. So you, you were in the House. Yep. What what got into you where you ran for the attorney general? Crazy story. So I was in the Texas House. I was had my law practices. We don't make any money in the Texas House Senate. You only get paid six hundred dollars a month. So when you're away from your practice, it costs you money. It's expensive. So you the way I always work is you know I I go down. I try to do as much work as I could in the first two months of session. Then pretty much it's you're not doing anything. Uh, except session. And then as soon as it was over, everybody goes on vacation. I was back in my office trying to dig out of the hole I was in. So, but I was, we had this strange election where um, when Obama got elected, we almost lost Texas House. It, it was a 76-74 majority for us. And the Democrats figured out they could block vote. They only needed two Republicans, including the one that was going to be the speaker. So 11 Republicans cut a deal with the Democrats and they took over the Texas House. And so suddenly the Republicans, who, especially the conservative Republicans, were the worst, considered the least important people in the House. You had these, this group of what do you, moderate Republicans that ran the place. The Democrats were the next most powerful. And then any Republicans that kind of joined in were part of that group. And if you didn't join in, you were dirt. So we ended up having then another election where— You don't seem like a moderate, so you were I in the dirt crowd. Yeah, I was persona non grata because <laughs> I wasn't playing the game. So— 
it wasn't long after that, two years later, that Obama was very unpopular after he got elected in Texas. And we went from 76, we have 150 people in the house, 76 Republicans to 100, the most we'd ever had. Oh, wow. So I was trying to get, recruit our caucus chair and uh, our policy chair to run against the speaker. So I was like, this is ridiculous that so we have a democratically elected speaker with 100 members that are Republican, only 50 uh, Democrats. They wouldn't do it. So I remember I came home and told my wife, I said, I can't get anybody to do it. She goes, well, you got to do it. I said, well, I don't want the job. I don't want it. I don't want that. I don't want to answer to politicians. I don't want this job. She goes, you can't look your constituents in the face and not try. So I tried. I, we came close to pulling it off, but they changed the rules on how we voted for speaker so that it would be harder for me to win. And so I didn't win. So I ended up getting pushed to the side, worse committees. They were killing all my bills. And then, but because I ran, I became better known statewide and uh, I had a friend come to me and say, Hey, you should run for attorney general. I said, it's crazy. I'm, I'm in the house. And I ended up in a run, little interim deal. I ended up running for Senate and winning unopposed and then decided because. So how many senators are there there? There's 31 senators and 150 house members. And wow. I have a theory on this. I've never read this anywhere. I just made this up, but no one's ever disputed it. I think we have 150 House members and 31 senators. It's kind of an odd number. There's nobody else that has that particular right. mix. I think it's because we have 150 Psalms and 31 uh, Proverbs. So I'm <laughs> oh, pretty that's sure cool. that's how we got. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that. No one's yeah. ever told me that. But just, that is a coincidence. I was literally just thinking one day, how did we get this weird number? And I just thought, I thought, I think that's it. Oh, interesting. It just occurred to me that that, that matches. Yeah. It's just such a weird number, 31. So... um so is your Senate uh, supermajority Republican or is? Yeah, yeah. So when I was in there, I can't remember. We had, I think we had 20, we had 19, but we needed two thirds to pass anything. Now they've changed it to 60%. So you always, I always had to have two Democrats with me. And so I was, you had, to, you had to negotiate with the Democrats, but they also, obviously they can't pass anything unless they have a lot of Republicans. So um, I actually enjoyed the negotiation because, you know, we usually had the advantage because we had, we had so many more Republicans. It was very different than the House. The House was more controlled by the Democrats, even though we had 100 members that were Republican, two-thirds, and, and yet we didn't take advantage of it, whereas in the Senate we did. So, And that's still true today. It's still true that the Texas House is run by a speaker who's a Republican who was elected by a block vote of 65 Democrats and then 10 Republicans that get all the best committees, and then he does basically what the Democrats want. That's how we get into all the messes we, we get into in Texas because the Democrats control the House. Well, so that explains that explains your your problems on the voter integrity thing. And it, everything on border security, on my impeachment, because it's the Democrats. If Joe Biden tells the Texas House Democrats, hey, I need Ken Paxton out. He's caused me, he sued me 50 times. Can you just get rid of him? Uh, then they just tell the Republican speaker, this is part of the deal. If you want to stay speaker, you have to do what we say. And that's how it works. And so it's finally been kind of People are kind of catching on because of what happened to me. There's, they saw it, and now he has a he. He may be the first speaker to lose in a primary. I don't know if it's ever happened actually. And a lot of his top people are at risk of losing in this March primary. March fifth is our our primary. So so let's talk about that impeachment thing. Yeah, can you kind of explain to people what was going on there. And well, yeah, it was totally. Uh, you know, I'd just been reelected. I it was four months into my third term. Everything's going fine. I don't have a great relationship with the speaker, obviously. I never have. Um, and then suddenly, uh, out of the blue, they announced three, like probably five or six days before the end of session, when they should be super busy trying to pass all the most important stuff, 
that they have a, a committee, it's general investigating committee, and they had four lawyers investigate me, but no one knew. It was all secret, all done behind closed doors. No one knew about it. It was a complete surprise. Two of the lawyers were, came from the Department of Justice, the Biden administration. No surprise there. Uh, they were sent there to, to do this. And within three days, they had a hearing, three-hour hearing, no witnesses, which is you're required to have witnesses and required to have evidence. They didn't have any evidence, no witnesses. No one was sworn in. Just testimony from these lawyers who they weren't even sworn in. And within three days on Memorial Weekend, they impeached me. And I was out, suspended, couldn't do anything, had no money, had no salary. They took it all away. They put a gag order on me so I couldn't talk. And I had to go hire lawyers with no money because I just spent $16 million on a campaign and one overwhelmingly beat George P. Bush. And the people behind this are not just not just Biden, but it's also like Karl Rove. And we have a group called Texans for Lawsuit Reform run by Dick Weekly that they're all kind of woke. And Karl Rove wants to, you know, wanted Bush to win. And I beat him by 38 points. And so they figured out, let's just get rid of him this way. Wow. Hey, we're going to take a break. And sure. We'll come back right after. Chair, recognize Mr. Smithy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker and members. And I assure you, I'm not going to take 30 minutes. But... Uh, let me tell you, first of all, I'm not here today to tell you that General Paxton should not be impeached. That's, that's not why I'm here. Bottom line is, I don't know whether he should or not because I don't have the evidence before me to make that determination. All I'm telling you is this House cannot legitimately and in good faith and under the rule of law impeach General Paxton today on the record that it has before it. Uh, I'm not here to defend Ken Paxton. That's not my job. I'll leave that to someone else. But I'm here to defend two things that are precious to me. One is the rule of law, and the other is the integrity of the Texas House of Representatives, of which I've given a good part, the best part, of my adult life. Welcome back to Politicket. We've got Ken Paxson here today, uh, Attorney General from the state of Texas, the great state of Texas. It is a great state. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, we're talking about your impeachment. And, you know, this whole, this whole business, I mean, using the legal system and using these tactics really to, to go after people. I mean, that's happening to Trump all over the country. What, what, what do you think about that? How do we stop that? It's, it started even when I first became AG, they started coming after me. I think it's not just the, it's not just the, the left. It's, it's also some in our party who are using it. The Carl Roves of the world love this tactic when they can't beat you. Because in my state, typically, I've, all the races I've run – against a more moderate candidate, it's been, you know, I, I got 65% of the vote or 68% of the vote, and they can't win at the ballot box. So they, they align with the Democrats to try to take out people like me, like Trump. Um, and that's the tactic now, if you can't beat them at the ballot box. And I think Republicans have to be more willing to stand up and say, and defend their people because we're all, we're all getting crushed. I spent what, 10, 15, 20 million. I don't even know what it is. 15 probably million since I've been in office. I make $150,000 a year. You can't, pay for that. So you have to then spend all your time raising money and trying to to just to stay and just to hold the position that, that the voters put you in. And otherwise, it's not going to be the voters deciding. It's going to be these guys who are able to take you out either by just financial or just the, they bury you if you're not skilled at dealing with that. So, so there's a couple of issues that kind of brought that on you, though, right? Yeah. I mean, we've got 
Texas is doing something that nobody's done before in terms of the border, right? Yes. So, so do, do you think that contributed? There's no doubt, because like Texans for lawsuit reform, they were initially formed with a good purpose, which was to end lawsuit abuse. Well, we we've done a really good job of that. So they've moved on to other things, and they, you know, he Dick Weekly's a home builder, the Weekly Homes, and they they like illegal immigration. Help, they think it helps them get cheaper labor. So they're all in for. The, what the Biden administration is doing. So we're not aligned anymore on some of these issues. And so that's why they have participated and spent millions of dollars trying to beat me in an election and millions of dollars trying to get me impeached. And then they just continue with the lawfare. I'm, I have to go back to court in April where they can, you know, Trump is up for over 700 years in prison. I'm up for 200 for just this made up garbage that where they move you out of your own county into a Democratic county with Democratic judges, Democratic jury, and then they change all the rules. There are no rules. They don't have any rules. You just whatever they whatever that judge wants to do, they they do. And it's it's not the rule of law anymore. If if you're pushing the envelope on immigration, on some of these like I'm involved in all these big tech lawsuits with Google and Facebook. I've got a big pharma lawsuit and Pfizer related to the vaccine and them not telling us the truth about that. Then suddenly these big corporations are in on funding groups like Texans for Lawsuit Reform and Carl Rove to take people out like me because we're in there fighting for regular people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that immigration issue, I think, is, is, is key. What, what you guys are doing is, is really revolutionary because you say, you know, we, we can protect our own border, right? Well, and it's true. Think about it. I mean, when this country was started, do you think that the 13 colonies would have said the federal government was formed and said, look, we are in charge of protecting you. But if we don't, we decide we don't want to, you can't protect yourself. Would any of, anybody have joined Texas? I guarantee you, Texas being on the Mexican border, if they had cut that deal, there's no way that Texas would be part of the United States today if that was the deal. So the, it cannot be true, despite the Supreme Court's decision in Arizona v. U.S., which said that Arizona couldn't pass their own laws to protect themselves. We now have passed a law in Texas that says we're going to deport people. And we've been sued by the ACLU and by the Biden administration. And it cannot be right. The Supreme Court, that case cannot have been right, that we have to sit there while the federal government says we're not enforcing any laws. As a matter of fact, we're going to help the cartels get people here. Crime is on the rise. We're, we're importing drugs. Yeah, they can do that. Uh, we're helping the cartels. And we're supposedly supposed to sit there and say, well, because the federal government's not going to enforce law and they're going to help the cartels, then we have to let all this bad stuff happen to our state. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I, I was I was down in Texas with uh, Congresswoman Flores I, mm -hmm. down down on the border there, and I went down there with AFP, and it, it was amazing to me how this this is big business for the cartels. Oh, it, it, there's no doubt that they're the ones running the, the border. Biden administration telegraphed day one, we're not deporting anybody, and so instead of people, the cartels having to bring people and then maneuver around border patrol. Biden said, no, don't, you don't have to hide anymore. We're not, you don't have to run. There's no hiding. Just bring them as many as, as you can get here. We'll just transport them for you. We're like your logistics in the United States. And so the cartels are like, okay, we're making eight to $12,000 a person. The more people we get there, the more money we make. And all these border patrol, border patrol people are now focused on logistics. We can run our drugs a lot easier. We can bring terrorists into the country more. So the cartels have built... Because if they have, this is a billions and billions of dollars. They are building a network into the United States like we've never seen. And the consequences are going to be felt long after Joe Biden's gone, including higher crime, cartels, drugs, our kids dying, and terrorism. 
Yeah, it, it was amazing to me. We went over to that Catholic Charities place, and we, we interviewed several. We noticed there were a lot of Chinese, yep. right, with their families. And so we, we were interviewing them, and they were telling us that, you know, they spent like twenty five to $30,000. The business is huge, huge. I, I bet they make more money off that than they do off drugs now. It's hard to know because it's all big business for them, and the Biden administration is I mean, let's just face it, they're in partnership with them. They're not, there's no contract, but there is a tacit agreement between the Biden administration, the cartels, and the Chinese. The Chinese are running the fentanyl through and killing our kids, and that's one of the worst things going. These kids are dying, and the Biden administration knows it, and they're like, yeah, bring it. Well, I, I, I can't see how that isn't the major issue this, this election cycle. Well, I think Biden is in you know, bad shape on that issue, you know, polling wise. And I think Trump is for sure going to use it against him. And he's got a great story to tell. He's got, he's got the story of what he did. He enforced federal law, no new laws, title 42, build a wall, stop catch and release, enforce remain in Mexico. And Biden dismantled all of it, wasted all the dollars that were appropriated, paid contractors to do nothing, threw the materials away, let them rot and let people take control. Yeah, that that well, and and that kind of brings up another issue too. Is one of the problems with the all these illegals coming over is I I think they're really trying to build a voter base. They're doing two things. They're building the voter base. That's primary. Second of all, they're bringing these people to tech to Texas, Florida, Republican states because they know Utah. They know that Republican states are a draw. That they're that that people are leaving Democratic states to come to Republican states, and this is one way to harm Republican states to make them less competitive. Because now we've got all these costs, we have higher crime, and they are literally intentionally trying to hurt Republican. Well, states. see, see, we seem to be a de facto uh, sanctuary state, right? And uh, we all are yeah. because every Republican state is a is a place where they want to put because they want votes. So let's build the base of voters. And then let's also, this will do great harm to their economics. So less people are going to want to move to Utah or Texas because now, you know, we've got all these social problems. And we've got all these costs that have driven up the cost of education, healthcare, law enforcement. This is all very purposeful and very destructive, but it's like planned evil by the Biden administration. Well, one more issue. I, I, we're, we're running out of time, and I know you've got other things to do today, but, but I, I, I just want to hit on these election integrity cases that you've had in Texas. That, I, I mean, that was probably, you know, the other reason why they really went after There's it. no doubt about it. We had, so when I started, we had, one pro, we had one prosecutor doing voter fraud, and I was able to get the legislature to give me three more, and we had at the time that the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is our highest court on criminal knowledge, struck this down, they struck down the statute from 1951 that directed the Attorney General to prosecute voter fraud because they said that it's unconstitutional for the Attorney General, who's in the executive branch, to be in court. It's it took them that long to strike down. Oh, every judge it. has been wrong since 1951. But yeah. now this new court, which I think Soros elected, because nobody knows who's on the Court of Criminal Appeals. No Republican voters don't know who's on there. Even lawyers don't know. So it's very easy to maneuver who's on there. And we are actually right now trying to undo that. We've got three people, Gina Parker, Lee Finley, and David Schenck, running against the incumbents because we have to take that court back because I need to be able to prosecute better fraud because our local DAs won't do it because most of them have been put there by Soros, in the, especially the big counties. They're all Democrat. 
So if you're in Austin, we can't elect a Republican. So Soros came in and switched out the DA, who I used to work with, who was a Democrat. He did the same thing in San Antonio. He went in and switched out the DA. So all these DAs that I used to— So this is a concerted effort. This isn't just something This is no—I've watched it. It happens in front of my eyes. So that's why I'm so dedicated to getting these people elected. We have to change the Court of Criminal Appeals, and then, of course, we have to change the Texas House. We have to get rid of the Speaker and some of his henchmen who basically run Democratic policy for the Biden administration. Yeah, amazing. It's well, happening. Well, we're out of time, but uh, thank you, thank uh, you for coming. I'd like to, you know, maybe sometime in the future we can talk I'll come again. Back but, for sure. Yeah, but uh, it's it's nice having you here, and uh, good luck in in fighting the good fight. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. We'll see you yeah. guys next yeah. week. Yeah.